Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers take down Tennessee Tech by a final score of 89-59 to in a game that was close uh, throughout about midway through the first half. Then IU went on a 28-2 run to close out that first half, highlighted by a stretch of play at the end that featured all four freshmen on the floor at the same time. It really blew the game open from that from that point forward. Came out of the locker room and and played well to start the second half. Uh, slipped into a, a little bit of a defensive lapses, probably is the easiest way to say it, and some missed free throws in the middle part of the second half. Uh, so that was a bit sloppy, as you might suspect in a in a game like this, in the first game of the season, the first game after so long, but uh, it was ultimately great to see the team back out there. Uh, There is a lot to talk about with a game like this. Trace Jackson Davis leads the way with 26 points and 11 rebounds, uh, which is also probably not surprising, but in a game where IU uh, clearly was the superior team, they asserted their dominance, uh, like I said, during about a 10-minute stretch to close out the first half and really uh, rode that through to the end of the game. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we're going to break everything down for you. It's been a while since we've done one of these, so we've got a lot to, a lot of, a lot of pent-up uh, thoughts, I'm sure, now that we've got some, uh, an actual game to talk about for the first time in about eight months. Uh, so we'll break it down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show, which officially begins our 10th season of covering IU basketball. And with that, let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And this is the part where I should have said what I just said a minute ago. So we're going to start this show with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment, as we always do. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Hey, it's the first postgame show for us too. So, what are you what are you going to do? Uh, really, the the obvious place to to pick a moment here was really in that twenty eight two run to close out the half. The problem is that it's hard to pick just one, and I think when you look at that run in totality, uh, it it tells you that there is great potential for this team. It started with a really nice Christian Lander drive and feed to Race Thompson for a dunk. It featured uh, at one point six straight points from TJD, and he scored ten of the twenty-eight overall during that run. You had a really nice post move from Jerome Hunter. You had three jumpers from Rob Finnessy, including two three-pointers. The other was a long two, and then you had six points from from Trey Galloway, who finished it out uh, with a run out in reverse to to close out the the scoring for the half and that twenty-eight-two run. So I think when you really take a step back, you can find a lot of. Uh, a lot of positives during that run that, that manifested themselves over the course of the game uh, for IU. You saw a lot of different guys be able to get in the scoring column. You saw IU be able to score different ways. And you saw some new faces be able to contribute. Uh, and an old one in, in Rob Finnessy uh, step up and shoot the ball the way he did. Uh, reminded me of the beginning of that Ohio State game last year. So I think if this team is going to reach its uh, reach the aspirations that so many people have for it. I think that stretch is a good one to point to, to say there's a lot of ways this team can score. They get out and run uh, and, and we're able to score some in the half court as well. So uh, to me, I guess it was just that entire run uh, that we'll call the, the banner moment. Although, like I said, you could probably pick uh, a handful of different plays uh, within that stretch to be the banner moment. 
but the banner moment tonight, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, and we are excited to have Homefield aboard for now their fourth season sponsoring the assembly call. If you remember back when their sponsorship started, they were just little old Hoosier proud serving Hoosiers with Indiana related designs. And now, as you know, if you follow their entertaining Twitter account, they have a unique and they have unique and historical and historic apparel from more than 90 schools. And the college sports nationwide will be spending tons of their money at their website this Christmas. I know I placed a uh, an order over the weekend uh, that contained mostly things for myself, although I did uh, squeeze in a couple gifts. Uh, so you know what? You should do the same thing for them. The best part about watching Homefield grow over the last few years is that they have never forgotten their roots. They're based in Indianapolis. They hire Hoosiers to work for them, and they still have the best line of IU apparel available anywhere. So I assume you already have the famous Bison hoodie. If not, you should really stop listening to this immediately and go buy it, or you can listen to this and go buy it concurrently. Um, they have a lot of other thoughtful IU designs as well, a ton of great football designs out there. Uh, I'm actually wearing a Hawaii sweatshirt at the moment uh, that I bought from them. It's super comfortable. Uh, a number of T-shirts that I uh, that I have picked up over the course of time, and, uh, and even though I said I bought a number of things for myself. I, I did feel that I showed great restraint uh, by not buying more as I, uh, as I had thought about. So uh, picked up uh, some IU stuff, but also uh, some of the other schools they have, they do a great job of, of looking back at some and finding some great historical designs as you go. So whether you are shopping for the IU fan in your life or whether you have friends or family unlucky enough to cheer for other schools, Homefield has you covered with something people will be excited to open on Christmas. And right now you can save big because Homefield is in the middle of their Black Friday sale. You get 30% off of everything, your entire order, when you use the promo code BF Assembly Call. So go to Homefield Apparel, load up your shopping cart, and enter BF, that's B as in black, F as in Friday, assembly call at checkout to get 30% off. Again, that's at homefieldapparel.com. All right, now it's time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And uh, I'll throw it to the coach, Brian Tonsoni, first, who's uh, here here with us. And coach, you you did a, a hardcore breakdown of a, a promotional, the promotional videos in Hoosier Hysteria. So I can only imagine that you were excited to have full actual games to look at. Yeah, you know, it's nice all day. Been been watching basketball all afternoon. Got to coach a game last night. And what's nice about basketball when it starts is you get to see uh, the changes in the team. Some things still are concerning, uh, free throw shooting and so forth and such. But uh, there's a lot of things to like about this Indiana team, and there's some new things that Archie's trying to do, whether it's switching a little bit more on defense, uh, whether it's the high pick and roll. Uh, they have some dribble handoff action into a screen and roll. A lot of new things uh, that they're trying to do, one of which is push the basketball. And, and yes, there was some sloppy uh, play uh, at times, but the pace was there. Really enjoyed seeing Race and Hunter play the four, uh, and I thought the the rebounding effort for the most part was really good. Those are the things that I thought we needed to kind of look for at the start of the game. But uh, a good start. You got to knock the rust off. You got to play someone other than yourself. And I thought um, Indiana accomplished what they what they needed to do. They have things on film now. They can get ready for uh, the Asheville Classic against Providence. And we also have uh, a guy who looks like what I believe Ryan Phillips used to look like before, uh, you know, pre-pandemic Ryan Phillips may have uh, may have joined us here, or at least a reasonable facsimile. So joining us from an undisclosed location, uh, we have Ryan Phillips, who uh, just turned off his video, perhaps not wanting everyone to see uh, exactly what he's looking like these days. Ryan, uh, any rants on the game tonight? 
All right. Apparently, you are not ready to provide said rant. All right. So, Coach, let's uh, let's kind of jump in a little bit here. I think we'll kind of look at this on on a you know a couple fronts here before we take our first break. So, one, let, let's talk TJD. Uh, he was the headliner coming into the season. Uh, I think from a numbers standpoint tonight, uh, that was certainly true. Ended up with twenty six and eleven. Uh, was ten of sixteen from the floor, six of eleven from the free throw line, which. Uh, rebounded a bit from uh, a sluggish start there. Uh, did see him step out and and knock down a, about an 18-footer at, at one point. But what was your overall assessment of, of Trace and, and kind of what they were attempting to do uh, to get him the ball in different situations? It was more uh, ball screen, pick and roll type type actions that we, we'd been hearing about. Uh, I don't know that those were particularly effective in, in getting him the ball in most cases. Um, but, but coach, how would you assess Trace's performance overall tonight? I, I thought he was rusty at first. He was playing too quick in the post, and he missed a lot of shots at the rim because he was just trying to do too much. Sometimes when you have all those accolades, uh, when we talk Al Durham, too, is from a senior leadership, I thought he tried to do too much tonight, too. You got to let the game come to your come to yourself, come to your teammates, and I thought he was just trying to do too much at a too fast a pace uh, and didn't get his feet set. Uh, and then what you saw was at some point, um, I don't know if I have the um, – the time, but there was a timeout. It was nineteen to thirteen, I believe, and then all of a sudden they went to their little blocker mover action, where they have a, a screener at the free throw line and a low post screener, and they put TJD at the low post, and they ran action uh, to to just spin him into the post and get him square, and he hit two or three in a row, and then Hunter got one. So there were like four post moves in a row. Uh, that was an adjustment that Archie made to get him calmed down. And, and to be able to go and score. And I thought from there, they did a, a great job. They did hit TJD on a short roll where he drove the basket uh, and scored and got fouled. They hit him on a pick and pop, and he shot the 15-footer. So um, they did a variety of things to get him uh, get him the ball. But uh, I, I like the way uh, Coach got him settled down by calling a play where he didn't really have to move too much. Um, just, be, just post up on that block and get a couple to go down to get his confidence and get his uh, – get back in game shape yeah one, one of the things I thought he did he did well was uh, was passing I, I thought he made some nice looks out of the post ended up with three assists uh, they ran a set a couple times that, that set up him um, giving a high low entry I think one time it got knocked away the other time in the second half it got a layup uh, as I recall so it seems like they are trying to put him in some different positions I thought he I thought he passed well made made decent decisions at that point uh, in terms of trusting guys but yeah he, he definitely settled in a bit started to look a bit more comfortable at the free throw line and we can probably uh, touch on some of those things as well but go ahead you that, ready to say that 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 high low play is out of the side pick and roll uh, where Hunter uh, screens and then seals his man and the, and the guy couple times, I think it was Leo, comes off and hits the high post, which is TJD. And if the help's not loaded, the one time it got tipped away, TJD didn't read the help. He kind of threw it across his body. The other time, the help was too far uh, out out of the lane, and we got good good baskets. So that's, again, some of that European pick-and-roll action that we've kind of heard about. Uh, we're starting to see it a little bit with TJD putting him in different spots. Yep. All right. Well, I think Ryan is is allegedly ready to uh, to deliver his rant. So, uh, so Ryan, appreciate you hopping on for the. Uh, can you guys hear for the opening? Can you hear me now? Can you hear yeah. me now? It's, yeah. All right. Sorry, my mic wasn't working earlier. I don't do this by phone very often. Uh, some of you will know. I hate to derail things, but some of you will remember the last game last year. I called in from New York via phone with a drink in hand, a terrible lighting and audio, and I just had to redo that 
for the end of quarantine. So that's what <laughs> that's where I'm at right now, folks. It's uh, but I, I want to say that, you know, while the game was great, I loved watching the freshmen. I think the four freshmen on the floor was a lot of fun. I hope we see more of that. TJD, unbelievable. Somebody needs to teach these guys how to shoot free throws. That's my basketball rant for the night. But what I want to say is this is the start of our 10th season of assembly call. Uh, I am amazed we've made it this long. And uh, we started this journey a decade ago, Andy, Jared, and I, I can't believe it's that long. Um, and obviously coach has been with, has been following us since near the beginning. And I think Andy would agree that the best move we made as a trio was to add our fourth guy in, in coach uh, a few years ago. Um, I just want to thank all the viewers, listeners, whether you are a radio listener and came to the podcast, whether you download it and listen to the day after, or whether you're part of the chat mob and, and watch us, you know, as we do the show live on YouTube, we love you guys so much. We would not be here without you. And you're the reason we do this because every night we want to like, it's, we talk about it in our group chats and our emails is that we have a duty to you guys to produce a good show. Obviously I'm sorry, no lighting, no microphone. I can't do that tonight, but uh, you know, we have a responsibility to you guys because you show up for us every time. So we have to show up for you. So uh, just being the 10th season, I wanted to hop on and thank you guys. Thank my co-hosts who are amazing. Um, since we started this, one of us got married and there have been several children. There have been uh, children born. People have moved. Uh, none of that happened to me, of course, but the rest of the people. So I, I just wanted to say that uh, I love all of you guys. And, and this show means so much to, to me and, it, and, and the rest of us. And you guys mean so much to us. So I wanted to thank everybody uh, and just come in here and just grind the show to a screeching halt uh, like I often do before exiting and leaving them to pick up the pieces. So love we you got guys. you. Thank you so much. We got you. I, I assumed you were coming with a page of notes on how to improve the free throw shooting. So this was no, that's moderately that's disappointing. Coming. But <laughs> next time I'm on, that's coming because good Lord, guys. <laughs> yeah, so, definitely. Cheers, everybody. Definitely room to improve. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. You guys too, and everybody listening. Happy Thanksgiving! All right. Well, we appreciate Ryan uh, hopping on with us, and we'll uh, we'll circle back. So the other thing I want to talk about, I was kind of looking at it from two ends of the spectrum. One was the the key returnee in TJD, and the other was the the newcomers. Um, and and we'll certainly get into these guys a bit more. There was that stretch toward the end of the first half when the four freshmen and uh, I think Race was in there for a little bit, but picked up a foul, and then TJD, I believe, was the was the fifth at that point. Uh, and Galloway, Trey Galloway is a guy we had heard a lot of positive buzz about in the offseason. And I, I think tonight watching him play, you, you could see why. Uh, he also strikes me as a guy that uh, Coach will really appreciate his style of play. So, Coach, I'm just going to open the floor to you. Feel free to talk about any of the freshmen, but uh, I, I feel that you're, you're probably going to gravitate in a particular direction. Well, Trey Galloway is my, my kind of dude, man. I mean, just gets out there, runs the floor, sticks his nose in defensively, and just plays. But I, I want to share this. I wrote this about the frost in the first half. Geronimo gets a nice steal on, on a baseline out of bounds that that I lead, leads to something, a, a basket. Um, Leo at two point one seconds 
uh, makes a read on a long pass. They're trying to get a last-second shot and knocks the ball out. Um, Lander's closeouts, he was short, low. You could hear his feet chopping in the empty gym with his hands up, and I thought he did an okay job guarding the bounce. Not so much in the second half, but he was trying. And then then um, Galloway on defense had a really nice deflection. Uh, both Leo and Galloway in the second half were quick on to help when uh, the ball screen rotation got a little messed up. So those are things that the freshmen look a little more advanced than what normal freshmen are when they enter uh, college because the college game is, is usually uh, a lot different. But these guys seem to be a little more up to speed. Now, they're not going to, you know, be world beaters and, uh, you know, go to the NBA-type freshmen, but they are going to compete. They're going to push the, the starters to be better, but just just fantastic. And you can see that they have that little vibe, you know, in timeouts and talking to each other. Heck, there's two minutes and 14 seconds left in the game, and Galloway and Leal are talking about something going on. Um, I think this group really wants to compete and win, and I know it's one game, and it's one game against Tennessee Tech, but you got to try to sense some overall perceptions um, despite the sloppy uh, ball handling and stuff. But, man, the freshmen seem to just bring some energy, and hopefully it brings some energy to the fan base too because we've always had a couple dudes that just some games just would get under your skin, um, you know, that just the way they carried themselves or the way they, they did things. And the mistakes made by the freshmen didn't bother me because it was next play. And, and I'm going to talk about next play a lot tonight because I thought that's something, too, that when you have a sloppy game, it's what you do next. And I think almost every player played through mistakes tonight. And that's a sign of a team that can overcome some adversity, maybe stop some of these droughts and win on the road down the road. Um, still a work in progress. But, yeah, the freshmen are so enjoyable uh, to watch already, and I think that that will continue. Yeah, I think Lander coming in and, and uh, knocking down a jumper, the, basically the first time he touched the ball within five seconds of coming into the game may have set a may have set a dangerous precedent for everybody. But uh, yeah, with Galloway, he, he certainly was the one that stood out for me Leo, you talked about with the play toward the end of the half. He had another nice help defense play, uh, I think late midway or, or late in the second half uh, that I thought was that I thought was good. And, and Geronimo, I think you see the the rawness of him a bit, but from an athleticism standpoint, I mean, he tried to throw one down on somebody again. One of the first times he touched the ball too. So, um, but with Galloway, he is just seems relentless um, on both ends of the court. Always running the floor hard. Got almost every basket he got just by getting out and running and being aggressive made some nice passes to lander that you know threes that he missed that I think you know he, he should be able to knock down uh, at various points in the season just you can kind of as cliche as it sounds I know somebody sent me this on Twitter you know you can kind of tell he's the son of a coach um, just in terms of some of the fundamental stuff that that he does and um, and and like I said you can see why he was getting buzz just because of the way he plays and he strikes me as a guy that Archie is really, really going to enjoy coaching and going to be able to, to, to bring along. So I thought a really strong debut for him, uh, not just with the, the shot making, but I just thought from an intensity standpoint, uh, is something that this team, you know, this team has, has struggled to find or struggled to find enough guys, um, who play with that kind of edge and, and those and things like that. So, uh, look forward to, to watching him, 
grow as the season goes along. But uh, all right, well, I'm gonna we're gonna take a break here. We're you know we we've got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to hit still, but we're almost 20 minutes in. Uh, probably a, somewhat a function of uh, of just how long it's been since we've had a, a post game show to do. So uh, when we get come back on the uh, assembly call, we're gonna continue breaking down IU's 89-59 win. We'll point out the meaningful moment you might have missed and go inside the numbers to look at some stats. You're listening to the assembly call. Stick with us. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. All right. Thank you, Christian. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And we are breaking down Indiana's 30-point victory over Tennessee Tech in the season opener tonight, 89-59. to And it's time for the meaningful moment you might have missed. And, Coach, uh, I have a feeling that as I when I throw this to you, uh, probably a good place to, to fit in some of those next play things that you um, you had talked about because I think some of those will – uh, will certainly certainly be there. You know, one of the things that, and I'm going to give one that happened at the end of the game that I thought was a really good sign from Jerome Hunter. Um, he he missed inside, which I think was the only time that he missed on a post up. That's another thing I wanted to talk about with Jerome was, uh, you know, IU making a concerted effort to get him the ball in the post a few times and and him delivering with a couple different post moves, but he missed one and then. The, the very next play down the floor defensively, he's diving on the floor to force a tie-up in a 32-point game with less than six minutes left. Uh, and I thought Jerome, in general, played well, showed some some really good versatility, showed some improvement on the defensive end, uh, ended up with, with nine points. But I thought that, and maybe we'll use that to segue into some of what you were talking about, but I thought that was a great example of a, of a guy that uh, you know, missed a shot, wasn't even a bad shot, but really just came back down and, and asserted himself, tried to make a play uh, on the other end. And, and I thought that was uh, encouraging and I think a good sign of development, maturity for, for Jerome to, to be able to do something like that. And, and like I said, it sounds like you've got some other uh, similar uh, things along similar lines that uh, you jotted down during the game as well. Yeah, th- there were a lot of them, uh, uh, plays where, where people made a mistake and, and got back into the flow of action. And, and then in the total the total game, I thought. I thought Al Durham really struggled tonight. I thought he was lost offensively. I thought he was lost defensively. And then he comes back and didn't hang his head. Uh, at, at one point in the second half, he had like 
three or four straight possessions where he was dominant, and and that's uh, that that's L. That's that next play mentality that you have to have. That the game of basketball, uh, while you coach and play for perfection, you understand that you're not going to be perfect. It's what you do after you make a mistake. And again, this team through you know one through ten and eleven with Childress jumping in there, you you didn't really see any head hanging. Um, with mistakes. So, so that was something there, uh, point out a couple things with, with the no crowd, you're going to hear some play calls. So Archie's going to have to change up his play calls because 15 short is a high ball screen with the, what they call a short roll instead of a roll all the way to the rim, a short roll to the elbow. Uh, and it got to TJD and he drove in and scored. So if you guys hear 15 short roll, you know, there's going to be a high ball screen and a, and a short roll to TJD or whoever the screener is, but that's that, uh, some of that European stuff we kind of heard about uh, in the summer that they were trying to do a little more ball screen because of the perimeter uh, type of play. We saw that tonight. The two things that the perimeters bring pace and that ball screen action, which is trying to get an advantage, uh, make people um, rotate defensively. And here's another thing that, that maybe someone uh, might've missed that uh, Rob Finnis, we all look at shots and, and makes and misses and offense. Cause that's just what we're, you know, in tune to, um, and most Indiana fans do pay attention to defense, but Rob Finnessy really limited penetration. And, and when the game kind of got to the, the hyper, uh, type of play in the second half, that's when Rob was out and you started seeing the Davidson kid. And then that freshman that Hummel was talking about, they were able to start driving, uh, because we just weren't in good defensive stance, but then, but that rarely happens when, when Rob's healthy. And so I think Rob's healthy, had a really good preseason as much as he could have one with COVID, but boy, was the defensive intensity. He comes back in at the eight minute mark. I think Archie chewed on him too. And the defense picked right back up. So, you know, Rob has a long way for me to go offensively, especially in the pick and roll. We'll talk about that when we talk about Rob, but boy, his defense, uh, on the ball was, was really good. Yeah, I think you could definitely tell a difference and and that's ultimately the difference between you know you your options behind rob at, at point guard and really guarding the 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 other team's primary ball handler is is lander who as you mentioned i thought played okay at times defensively but still really struggled particularly in the second half keeping guys out of the lane uh and and you don't know how much of that is just the game situation and uh, and things like that. And then Al, who I, I thought struggled defensively at, at times tonight as well. Uh, so there was a, a, a pretty big difference between between those. Uh, one of the other things I want to talk about defensively from a, a coaching standpoint, we saw more switching on ball screens tonight. We didn't see the the prolonged hedges either. Uh, and there were a couple times when the help didn't get where it needed to get. And there were a couple times I felt like uh, the, the guys may have gotten a little crossed up in terms of how they were we're playing things and gotten out of position, but uh, you know, what did you notice from a, a coaching standpoint that they were they were doing differently? How effective and how effective did you think it ultimately was? I, I liked our ball screen uh, concept, defense concepts. Uh, it's more of a flatter hedge. They went to that late last year when they were getting burned on that hard hedge. They started to go to a more of a flat hedge, and the backside rotations were quicker. I think this team's more uh, attuned to where they need to be defensively and quicker defensively. Yes, were there mistakes? Durham got lost once. Lander got lost once. That's game one. And if it continues in game three, four, or five, we got trouble. Um, but th th those were only like three or four possessions, and, and this is a world of ball screens. So uh, you got to get that on film, and you got to show the guys and hope that you you limit those times where where you don't cover well but the hustle afterwards 
from everyone to fix it. What we yell with our program is when you're out of position, fix it, fix it. Emergency switch, do something, but fix it. Don't sit there and say, oh, yeah, I was out of position. Hang your head and watch the guy dunk. And I really thought their fix it was really good tonight when they when they did mess it up. And they also switched some ball screens uh, and they had when they had Geronimo in, and they had uh, Hunter also ball screens. I like that. You got to watch the slip and the and the and the seal. You got to get under. Um, but they're also switching exchanges. There was a time where they were guys were cutting and just exchanging on the weak side, and they were cutting. One of which was Al Durham jumped out. There was no screen. He just switched and knew the play. And that kind of stuff does give Indiana an advantage when they're more perimeter oriented. So the more switching is a more aggressive. Um, style that uh, maybe can add some points uh, for for Indiana this year. All right, so let's talk offense a little bit. We talked about some of the defensive changes that we that we saw, uh, and you touched on this a minute ago. So I'm I'm assuming you have some thoughts about about how they were utilizing the pick and roll situations. Rob, in particular, uh, we definitely saw more of that uh, from IU. So what were your takeaways from that in terms of who who ran it well, who struggled? Uh, any particulars of what was more effective than, than others? I, I like the concept, and I think that uh, it is a good concept for Indiana, but the guard's got to be better. Uh, I don't think they executed the, the screen and roll very well because they've got to get two people to guard them. Um, and, and here's here's some of the issue, too. When you have TJD setting the screen, people are going to be staying with TJD. They're not necessarily going to be hard hedging or trapping the guard because they want to stay locked in on TJD. But you got to be able to draw two, and Rob's a little bit slow. You saw an adjustment in the second half. He had a pull-up jumper. He attacked the lane. He has got to attack off the screen and roll. So team scouting will say, hey, we've got to hedge and get that ball stopped, or he's going to go down hill and kick. That's what Cassius Winston did, and all the teams had to hedge and stay with Winston. He was still good at finding people. But you had to stop Cassius first. If guards can't don't need to be stopped, um, and that's where Lander's going to be good too when he gets up to speed, and Rob's got to be more aggressive, uh, which he was in the second half, early in the second half. I like that adjustment. But in the first half, I don't think they ran it as well because there's no threat there if he's not coming off hard enough uh, to draw two or effective drawing two. So it's a work in progress. And you could tell too when it was a tight game, they went to their blocker mover stuff and, and got it into post like I mentioned earlier. They, they changed it up to – to extend the lead and then went back to the pick and roll stuff they've implemented. So one of the other things offensively that everybody was looking forward to to seeing was how much IU would play small. Now part of that tonight may have been uh, accelerated by the fact that Joey Brunk was unavailable with the with a back injury. But we definitely saw Jerome Hunter spend some time in the post and and play really well there. Uh, the jump hook he had in the first half thought was a really nice confident move, something that you saw from him more in high school. And I think we've talked about that on, on some post game shows or on some off season shows that is, uh, had another nice turnaround jumper in the second, I think it was in the second half and then missed another one, uh, in the second half, but again, was a, a solid move. So you saw, uh, more of that. Uh, so, so what were your thoughts on how effective that was finally seeing this team play small? It'd been felt like a long time coming with playing a guy like Jerome at the four. I, I didn't see anything tonight based on how he played that suggested, Again, take the take the opponent out of it, uh, but I thought it it looked pretty comfortable for for everybody involved. So, thoughts on the uh, the smaller lineup that that you saw tonight, and and what IU did to take advantage of that? Uh, I love it, and I even include that you know when race is in because race can play more of a 
uh, you know, a stretch four if he can shoot a little bit, but especially with Jerome in there because you can post him up. They ran him on a pick and pop. He hit a three. Um, that that just that's going to be a tough cover. And, and one of the suggestions that I would have would be maybe at times to put TJD on the baseline and put when Jerome's in the game and run Jerome as a high screen and roller more. They did it a couple times because he can pick and pop for the three as a threat which means you got to stretch the floor, and then that gives TJD room to duck in and post up. Uh, we didn't see that a lot, and that might have been by design, too. You know, you're playing Tennessee Tech. You're going to win. You're going to run some base activity. You probably have a lot of this. You know, if you're running ball screen motion, you know all the different coverages, all the different things that are going to happen, and you know where you're going to put your personnel. So Archie might not have used everything that is is in his uh, – Arsenal in, in game one, I would be surprised if he did much. Um, but, um, you know, when you play Providence, who's a solid defensive team, you might see some of those adjustments of where the people are located um, in, in that type of offense. All right, so let's go inside the numbers now and and talk through some of the statistical uh, components of this. We'll take the we'll take the good ones first because there's a couple others that we probably need to talk about. Uh, turnovers. This was a big story for both teams. IU only with eight for the game, four in each half. That led to just nine Tennessee Tech points. On the other on the other end, though, Tennessee Tech had twenty turnovers for the game. Uh, a ton of those, I think nine, came during that twenty eight two run toward the end of the half. Overall, those 20 turnovers led to 31 uh, points for IU. Uh, I thought that was that was really key and, and helped them break the game open. Points in the paint, 58-28 in IU's favor. And assists. IU ended up with 22 assists on 32 made field goals. Uh, you know, if you, you told me that you get a 22-8 to eight assist to turnover ratio every night, you'd probably feel pretty good about uh, IU's chances to, to win the game. Uh, so, so to go back to the defense, I, I just thought in addition to some of the, the tactical things that, that you mentioned earlier, I just felt like during the stretches that, uh, the stretches that mattered, uh, I guess I'll say in, in the game really just felt like there was a good level of intensity and they did a good job of making Tennessee tech uncomfortable and exerting the advantage that they actually had over the situation. I, I, you know, I don't know how many times we've talked over the years of, when when this team has struggled defensively, they just let the other team get super comfortable, do whatever they want. And I thought during those stretches, they really did a good job of of contesting just about everything. They they made some mistakes and gave us some open shots, and a little bit of it was luck that they missed some of those open shots. But I thought by and large, during the key stretches, the intensity and the focus was really good on the defensive end. Yeah, and intensity is the the word that I would agree with you the most uh, because you know things aren't going to be perfect, but it's, it's the dives on the floor. It's the hustle out with the high closeout and, and play in the drive when it wasn't your man to close out to, but you're covering for a teammate. Uh, the number of times where there were just wide open shots uh, were limited. And in game one, that, that that's pretty good. You're probably going to have a lot more of those in game one as you start getting into game shape and figuring that out. But yes, intensity on defense uh, was tremendous. You saw that around the pick and roll defense too, where the guards were really uh, guarding well and getting over when they had to get over and getting under. There was a lot of communication. The interesting thing, again, without fans, is you kind of hear hear some communication uh, that's out there. And and I'll tell you, every coach thinks their teams can communicate better. And I'm sure Archie will talk about that. But the overall feel for me was yes, this was a better defensive effort. And even in that stretch in the second half, where it got kind of a little YMCA ish. 
uh, it wasn't one of those, oh, just let them go to the rim type deals, like Jared always says. You know, they contested, they did an up and under, and then they threw a shot in over somebody. Or they went in, and, and there was a contested two. And Again, I think that's a goal of any defense is at, in this day and age, the athletes are so good with the basketball, you're going to get downhill. Your, uh, your defense is going to give up some downhill plays. But it's what you do when they get in the lane. And you heard the coaches yell, wall up. And be big so people have to shoot over you. And I thought for the most part they did. And, you know, they hit two outstandingly crazy deep threes. Um, they scored a three with seven seconds left. Um, you know, after a, a, one of the eight turnovers was stepping on the line with seven seconds to go in the game by Geronimo. Uh, so as sloppy as it seemed to all of us because the ball was bouncing around and we missed some opportunities uh, passing because we just weren't in sync early on, this, you know, seven turnovers in the main part of the game, um, yeah, that 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 helps too because you get your defense set. You're you're not giving up home runs. Uh, now that'll change when the defensive pressure of a great team like a great defensive team like Providence. I don't think they're a great team, but they 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 really make their mark on defense. You got to be a little bit better, um, you know, so you can uh, not turn the ball over. But uh, yeah, I thought defensively, what you said, intensity was there. And I thought that showed in the in the sh- shooting percentage and the turnovers. I think the other thing that stands out on the positive side is just balance. Uh, the first eight guys that came into the game in the first half all had scored not not long after they not long after they came in. Uh, so you ended up with I think nine different guys scored overall. Anthony Leal, the only scholarship player who uh, who was in there and did not score. Um, but you know you had that you had I think eight guys have at least two assists. Uh, which is it's fairly impressive. Um, a, a number of guys chipping in with blocks and steals. Um, you know, rebounding wise, you had uh, you had Al uh, chipped in with six. Fantasy had five. So guard rebounding has been a a, to- a topic of conversation and becomes uh, even more important if you're if you do intend to play small uh, a bit there. So I, I think good balance, which is what you want to see in a game like this. You know, nobody played more than thirty minutes. You had a bunch of guys play between. Uh, you know, nineteen and and thirty, and I think that's a, a positive thing. You got a lot of the freshmen some playing time, get their feet wet, first time out there. Uh, I, I think that's nothing but uh, nothing but positive. Uh, on the negative side, you know, we would you got to talk about the shooting. Uh, the free throw shooting is one for sure. Ten of twenty two uh, for the game. Trace was six of eleven, although I think he picked it up after missing uh, some early. Geronimo missed both of his. Race was one for four. Al missed both of his. Uh, And then the three-point shooting ended the game five of 19, two of 10 in the second half, so just 26% from there. There weren't too many threes that I felt weren't good looks. So if you want to be concerned uh, about about this team not getting better from a shooting perspective, they didn't do very much to, uh, to appease those fears. So... Uh, let's kind of break those down separately coach from a free throw perspective. I know we were, we were all texting a little bit about this, particularly with TJD, just not really bending his knees a lot following through, which I think were habits that he fell into at times last year when he got tired or, or uh, as the season went on, because he shot it really well from the free throw line early. And I felt like it, it, it got worse as the season went on. So any thoughts on the free throw shooting one game aberration, uh, any underlying things that you saw that kind of with with multiple guys? No, and 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 I always speak as a coach. You know, everything it, that that is done under your leadership is is your responsibility. But 
if you're a college athlete, step up and hit 60, 70% of your shots at worst. Just do it. Make the shots. You're unguarded. You're a scholarship player. And if you're not good at it, you got a key fob. Come in, call a manager, and shoot 7,000 of them until you get the technique down. Now, there's some game slippage. The first game, conditioning has always been a concern. We've talked about it with our high school program without summer and without some of the conditioning. And, yes, they have Cliff Marshall and all of that, but the basketball game shape is always different, even than practice. Um, and, and so, and then it depends on who's getting to the foul line. You know, if, if you're 75% foul shooter shooting 14 shots, your percentage is going to be better. You talked about three post players, and post players typically shoot lesser free throws. Now, that's still no excuse. Uh, I feel that way about open shots, too. Uh, I'll get you open shots. I will screen. I'll call a scheme. I will get you open shots. It is your job to knock down open shots. Uh, we can do all the chair drills. We can do all the shooting form. We can do the elbow in. We can do a thousand shots on a gun. But the bottom line is, have some onions and hit shots. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I mean, that that's ultimately the free throw stuff was not good by any stretch, but I actually feel in some ways almost more concerned by the, if I'm going to pick one to be more concerned about, I actually felt more concerned about some of the outside shooting because they were clean looks, multiple clean looks that that guys were getting. And, and Rob was the only guy who hit more than one, three in the game. He was two out of three. He had Al at one for five, Lander one for four, um, Leal and Galloway both 0 for 2. So yeah, the freshman didn't didn't necessarily shoot it well. So that was that was part of it. Uh Armand missed one. But that that was that was what I went back to. The the quality of the three point shots that they that they took and missed were good quality looks that you'd want to get. You'd 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 chalk it up as a successful offensive possession if to your point you schemed in a way that allowed you to get the shots that they ended up with and they missed them. So I don't want to overreact to one game. The problem is that the one game is on the heels of multiple seasons where the team hasn't shot the ball well. So in some ways you're not really reacting to the one game. So I'm not uh I'm not sounding the alarm bells by any means, but I think that was what was most concerning to me was it wasn't forces uh with a guy in your face very often that those misses were a result of. Yeah, we had a, here's here's an example. We have a young man on our program plays in our junior varsity, uh, and he's a knockdown three. We let him shoot anytime he wants. He can shoot to three. In practice, he's nine of ten every time we shoot free throws. Nine of ten, nine of ten, nine of ten. In his first game the other day against Kokomo, he was one of five from the free throw line. I mean, it's just sometimes it's a mental block. Sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you know. But the bottom line is, step up and make shots. If you you know, practice being tired, run, run, you know, 10 down and backs and then go to the free throw line and go, then run 10 more and go. I mean, there's ways you can do it. You know, this idea that the coach has to fix shooting, then you don't even have a scheme to run because you're spending so much time on shooting. You can't even get a guy open. Uh, your college kids were paying for your scholarship. Get in there, get on the gun and make some shots. Simple. <laughs> there you go. All right. Maybe, well, not, maybe not so simple. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not was, simple. But it feels. But it, it feels. We're going to be talking about it. It feels simple. It should be simple. So You're well, in college. Well, you know, and and we'll see. I think it'll be. We talked about this a little bit. Now they're used to shooting at uh, Assembly Hall, so it's it's a bit different. But I, I do think some of these shooting backgrounds, and even just having watched games today, just a general atmosphere where everybody's got their bleachers pushed back against the side, and some of the some of the optics of of what it looks like. I'm not not blaming that for the missed shots by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think people are going to have to get used to what 
some of these shooting backgrounds look like without people and uh, different things like that. But we'll uh, we'll see. We'll have three games in in Asheville to maybe get a, a bigger sample size that we can make some judgments on. Uh, Coach, any other stats you wanted to to hit before we uh, before we close up the the stat shop here? No, the the one was the the assist. I wanted to go back and talk about that a little bit. Um, if we knock down some shots, that assist number goes up. Um, there was some inside out against the zone. Trey Galloway did a nice job of finding people and then missing shots. Um, so we had a good assist to turnover ratio, and you're spot on. That is good for a basketball program to have those kind of numbers. They would have been even better if we just hit open shots, not even talking about contested shots. Um, so the idea behind all that, though, and, and we're joking about this shot, not really, we're seriously concerned, but um, it's a good thing to have a team that shares the basketball. It's not a selfish team. Uh, that will take you into tough games and help you get a key basket or two in crunch time when you don't care who shoots it, you don't care who gets the credit. And I get that feeling that this team is is a, is a lot more together than we've seen in Archie's first three years. And a 22-8 to eight assist turnover ratio is a good way to start. Uh, um, and, and I can't guarantee that will be there every game. But it just shows what I think are some underlying features, and maybe I'm just hoping too much as a fan, and that could very well be. But you do look at those things as a coach, um, you know, how the ball's popping, how the ball's moving, and I thought it did, and now now that we just got to get the, the points uh, out of it. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I mean, Galloway, I felt like he could have had three assists within after being in the game for just a few minutes if if people had made shots. And, and you're not going to make every shot, but I, I do think the unselfishness and the, the option to say, hey, I can force a tough shot where I have it, or I can look for somebody else. And I thought the same thing with TJD doing that. Of he, he wasn't really trying to force things. I think sometimes during the season you're going to need him to maybe force the action a little bit, but he was looking for other guys and made nice passes. So if you want to take a positive away and, and think that it's first game rust and all those kinds of things and the, uh, the shooting will get better, then I think there's a lot of positives to take away from the way this team shared the basketball through one game. The bench was 10 assists to two, two turnovers, and one of the bench turnovers was a step in at the seven-second mark left of the game. You had a freshman in Leo who only played 11 minutes, had three assists. Lander had two, and no, neither of those had a turnover. Galloway, two assists and no turnovers. Uh, as freshmen coming off the bench trying to impress the coach, no, they just came in and played ball. Uh, and, and playing ball is next, you know, one more, one more, one more. And they played together, and, and that stuff rubs off, and, and I hope it rubs off enough to get a lot of wins. Yes, I hope so as well. All right, well, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our first game ball of the season and hit any other lingering storylines that we uh, didn't get to, and then we'll look ahead to IU's next opponent, and then it'll be time for last call. So that's all next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. 
Thank you, Jordan. Uh, Jordan was also tweeting out some of his uh, his accolade or his uh, his appreciation of Trey Galloway's uh, first game as well. So uh, fitting to have Jordan do the intro. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have already subscribed. You can text IU to 66866 to subscribe. Again, that's IU to 66866. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down Indiana's 89-59 to victory over Tennessee Tech to open the season. And now it's time for game balls. So, uh, coach, hopefully we go in the same direction, or we may have to go to the the chat mob to uh, to break the to break the tie here in in game one, since there's only two of us. But uh, who gets your who gets your game ball tonight? I feel like there's so, two, maybe three legitimate options. Yeah, there, there's there's really only one. We all know that, but um, we might need to come up with a secondary award. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna petition Jared to have the uh, coach Mike Roberts award or, or something about that for just all out toughness and hustle uh, because I think Trace Jackson Davis is going to get a heck of a lot of game balls. He struggled in the first six minutes uh, to find his shot and his free throw shooting wasn't uh, really good, but uh, 26 points and 11 rebounds, uh, three assists on the night, uh, just an all around great effort, which we're, we're kind of used to. Uh, and again, uh, applause to him for battling through some adversity early and finding his game and, and being the dominant person uh, that he could. Early on, if he didn't get over 50% free throw, I was just going to boycott that for free throw shooting just to motivate him. Like, you know, he never listens to the show anyway. But but I got to go I got to go with Trace Jackson Davis because he helps make other people better too because of the attention that he draws, and he still gets 26 and 11. Um, Galloway probably um, – would be the other uh, guy that I would have gone to. Yeah, I, I'm going to do the same thing. I think we've we've fallen into these these things even at times last year where it was, you know, Trace shows up, plays really well, and you take it for granted a little bit and are almost looking for a reason to give it to somebody else because you've given it to him so many times. Uh, so he did lose the gold jersey in practice this week to race. So, uh, but yeah, I think I think it has to be TJD. Although uh, Galloway certainly made it certainly made it more of a discussion than maybe it, it should have been for a guy with 26 and 11. And I thought fantasy played, uh, you know, seeing him shoot the ball that well was good. I, I think to the points you made earlier, he's got some work to do from a, a ball handler in the pick and roll situation, but uh, great to see him out there looking healthy and, and shooting the ball well. Yep. But yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's gotta be TJD. And, and kudos to Hunter Jerome, you know, nine points, four of six uh, shooting um, three assists, no turnovers, two steals. Um, you know, that's hard to, hard to overlook too, as a solid contribution. And, and the fact that he come in and is, and accepting that, that new role, I think he enjoys it, the inside out nature of the four. So Jerome Hunter could have been in consideration as well. Yeah. I thought he played, I thought he played really well, uh, you know, a, along with, uh, Galloway, he was, you know, those were the first two guys off the bench and they, they provided a pretty big lift. Uh, so let's talk about a couple of the, the starters that we really haven't hit on too much lately. One of them, or too much so far, one of them is Armand Franklin. Uh, he ends up with eight points, uh, three or four from the field, two of two on free throws. So that was a, a positive. Two rebounds, a couple assists, and a, and a steal in 22 minutes. Uh, I, I, I thought a fairly uneven game from him. He had a couple drives in the second half to, to get the, the points where they were. Um, but we'd heard a lot of positive things about him in the offseason as well. I think Archie was, he was a guy that Archie had singled out, 
uh, believe on the his his radio show this week as as somebody who had who had taken some steps. And I thought it was a fine game for for Armand. Uh, got the chance to to start. I don't know. You know, you don't really know what that lineup might have looked like had had Joey Brunk been available. Um, but I think I'm not sure he would have impacted the the guard uh, rotation at least. So thoughts on Armand from from you tonight? I you know I think uh, Armand and Els really struggled in the first half uh, to find their way offensively. I, I thought what they did do well is push the pace. If there was a positive for those two, it was you know they were pushing the pace. The thing I like about Armand is uh, I, I like the way he guards. Uh, I, I think he gets down in a good stance. I think he gets after it. I think he hustles on defense, and I don't think that his struggles offensively really hurt him defensively. If I went back and watched it, maybe I'd find a, a spot or two where he missed an assignment or let a guy drive him. But, you know, I think he's he might be the second best uh, on-ball defender we have right now when Rob goes out, and, and we need to watch that from here on out, how successful he is on the ball. But I think he's a toughness guy. And I think that, you know, he's just got to – some of the things that were inconsistent from him last year were was he just played too fast. Um, and you want to play with pace, but you don't. You want to be quick and not hurry. That's a Coach Wooden thing from UCLA. Uh, I think sometimes he just gets too sped up and, and the ball slips out or he misses an opportunity and then the offense has to reset. Uh, but I think he consistently brings it on, on defense. Uh, and then I wanted to circle back to Christian Lander just a little bit. I, I found myself during the game, and, and they brought it up on the broadcast, and everyone will probably bring it up on every broadcast, is kind of reminding yourself that this kid should be in, in high school right now. And comes in, makes his first shot, uh, banked in a three toward the end of the game, got hit on the foul through a little bit. They, they mentioned he was holding his wrist, seemed okay, stayed in the game after that. You know, missed a couple other threes, and, and I know in, the, in our text group, there was some discussion about just shooting for him and getting his feet squared up. And I think that's things that Ryan talked about even when he was doing scouting reports and, and things like that. So the the track record of reclassified point guards who step in and really play well right away is, is virtually non-existent. So uh, I think it was a good chance to, for him to get his feet wet. I think he's going to grow probably as much as anybody between the beginning of the season and the end. But I felt like tonight, there were certainly moments when it was you could see the adjustment even against a, a lower level team uh, for him, but that you know drive and dish to race for the dunk is the kind of thing that he can do as a playmaker that you really that you really look at. So I, I find it hard to be you know kind of swing the pendulum too far one way or the other uh, on him based on a performance like tonight in just his first game uh, as a freshman in that scenario, but didn't, didn't know if you had any other thoughts on on Christian after watching him play his first game as a Hoosier. Well, he has the luxury of, of playing behind Rob right now and, and easing into his role, but just watching him tonight, you can tell he has a sense about him that's a very special basketball player. Uh, what he needs to learn and understand is the speed of the game at the collegiate level and the physical, uh, the physicality of the game, especially defensively. You know, he missed a couple rotations defensively. He was out of position there. The pack line is something that, you know, when you're a star in high school, you, you guard the worst guy so you don't get in foul trouble, and then you go score 50. Um, it, it's a whole other ball of way. And in AAU, there is no defense. It's just go play. So now he's learning team defense. That's probably the toughest – Thing. And Archie's a big defensive guy, but you can play behind Rob and come in and get your minutes. But when you watch him offensively, uh, there's just a there's just a smoothness to his game. He, and That's he got exactly that the word that I was thinking when you said that. He you just know, 
Yeah. He's smooth. And, and that, that curl off the inbound pass, and, and, and he just went up and it's just smooth. And that ball, you can tell good shooters by how soft the, the shot is. Now, his three-point shot was off because he's if you watch tape on him, in the lane, he's an elevating shooter. So that elbow jumper, he was up in the air and it was smooth. His three-point shots are more of a set shot where he just gets a little bit of lift, and he was too fast in his setup. And, and then he clanked it. Uh, and the shot wasn't soft. So he's got to find how to get his body, his feet set up in, in the collegiate level to the point where his shot will go in. Once he learns how to prepare his shot at this speed, he'll start knocking down those threes. And, and it, it might take five or six, seven games. But again, he's behind a veteran, and that gives uh, Indiana a little bit of time. Uh, if they were dependent on him to come in and be a 25-minute stud, uh, there would be some ups and downs. Um, and maybe this will be benefit him in the long run come March that his growth will be so so big and so uh, advanced. That, uh, but his natural skill set is special. He, he's going to be special. Yeah, I agree with you. You just tell by the way he he moved in uh, in, in that in the half court and being able to to do some of the things even in the open court, uh, being able to hit guys when they would get out and run. I, I think that it, it goes right along with what you said that he doesn't have the pressure of having to come in and start right away. And I think when I you know circle back to that track record of other guys who have reclassified and come in to play point guard, that has typically been. Because somebody had a hole in a class somewhere and they didn't get the point guard they wanted, they didn't get somebody, and they found an option to get somebody who they thought was really good to come in and play and have that pressure right away. So I think that's a really important point that you made, that he he will have the luxury, if you want to call it that, to ease his way in a little bit. But you're also going to see you know some some real highlight plays from him as he starts to figure it out, and you'll see more and more of those. And I think, like I said there's probably not anybody that's going to grow more between the beginning of the season and the end than him just based on his natural ability and, and kind of the ceiling of what he can do. And boy, when, when he does have it figured out and Archie can play both of the point guards at one time, now you're going to see the pace really pick up because you can pitch ahead to a point guard who can come off a, a screen and roll on the wing uh, in transition or can push in transition. You have Galloway running quickly. You got the other point guard running quickly. There's a lot of things you can do once he does get up to speed to maybe get more than 16 to 18 minutes. Yep. Other guy I wanted to hit on briefly was race. Uh, he got the start tonight. Again, don't know whether he would have started had, had Joey Brunkman healthy or not, uh, but he did get the gold jersey in practice this week. He ends up with five points, three rebounds. Uh, got himself in a little bit of foul trouble. Uh, ended up with three fouls. I think picked up all three in the first half. Did have a block and a couple steals. Um, and I think a guy who you're not looking at to come, no matter the opponent, to come out and score a bunch of points and uh, it, one of those kinds of things. He's a, a complimentary player and has played that role well, and I think we're looking forward to him being able to get expanded minutes this year. Uh, but, but Coach, anything w- with race that you, that you noted during the game? Yeah, well, it's just what we like about race. It, it, and, and you said intensity earlier on defense. He's really playing hard defensively. Uh, and then his rebounding will be a key, too. Offensively, he's just got to slow down. And he had a couple plays in there where he got crowded and he threw something up. Um, and, and he'll learn that in, in the low post. I'm anxious to see him on a pick and pop a little bit or be able to stretch the floor and shoot the three uh, as needed when teams start sagging off against uh, TJD when we run – uh, some post action for him, but I thought I thought uh, race was uh, 
what we thought he was, and and I think he's going to bring that all year. And you know, I mentioned on uh, the assembly call Twitter feed to to look and see who plays the four. Well, you had Thompson and Hunter for the most part, and Geronimo played a little bit of the four. Well, you combine their points, and that, that's sixteen points, uh, three, uh, five, seven rebounds, six rebounds. If you could get sixteen points from the the four spot every day with the guards. Uh, I think Indiana's got a chance to put some solid offensive production out. out uh, and and some days it might be more race. Some days it might be more Hunter, depending on the matchup. And, and I think that gives uh, some flexibility. All right. Well, just to take a quick look at what is ahead, we do not have a show on Thursday night due to Thanksgiving. Uh, and so uh, we certainly hope that everybody out there uh, is able to enjoy some time uh, with uh, with family and stay safe out there for for Thanksgiving, and and definitely wish you all a uh, a happy Thanksgiving from us. Um, then, so the next game is the first game of the Maui slash Asheville Invitational Monday, two uh, Monday the thirtieth versus Providence at two thirty on ESPN two. Uh, Providence today they had their opener. They won ninety seven to fifty six over Fairfield. I did watch a little bit of this. Uh, they really blitzed them coming out in the second half and opened up a pretty big lead. Uh, they were up by a dozen, I think, at halftime, but uh, but really took control early in the second half. Uh, I got a really strong performance out of Nate Watson, who will be an uh, interesting matchup for, for TJD, senior big man. He ended up with 23 today. Uh, they typically, the guys who I think uh, you probably counted on a little bit more for them were more perimeter oriented coming into the season, but, uh, but Watson did well. They're a team that has typically been strong defensively. So as you look at those turnover numbers and, and things like that, that's probably the biggest piece to, uh, to look at going into that game. And then, uh, we'll see who IU plays based on how they fare, uh, in that, uh, in that particular game. So should be a, uh, a good matchup against Providence. If I look at uh, Ken Palm right now, it favors IU by three with a 59% chance of victory, 72 uh, to 69 as you, as you look at that. So, again, not a ton of data in there at this point, but that's what's next up for the Hoosiers. So we'll have, uh, we won't have a show on Thursday night, but we will have plenty of shows next week because we got post-game shows to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and, uh, and then Assembly Call Radio on Thursday. Although I guess I say that without knowing for sure whether Maui is playing on three consecutive days. So. Somebody, somebody more informed than me will uh, will confirm that <laughs> once we get closer. Then, um, all right. So with that, uh, we're gonna hit last call here. Before we do, just want to remind everybody to check out Homefield Apparel's Black Friday sale. Again, you can use the promo code BF Assembly Call at checkout to get thirty percent off your entire order at HomefieldApparel.com. So last call, we're gonna go around the horn, which is a, a pretty pretty short one. So, Coach. Uh, any any lingering thoughts? Uh, what's your what's your last call for this thirty point IU victory to uh, open the season? You know it was a little sloppy at times, and 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 I don't think there's anything that can make us calm, be calm, and say we're going to you know, win a majority of the games and make the NCAA tournament. Yet you got to have a bigger sample. Uh, but I think there also are some things that that are real positives, and and the freshman class is one, and and the overall vibe of the team. You know, there's been some of us that have bought in that once Archie gets all his guys, it's going to be a little bit better. Well, I, I think these are eleven guys that you're really going to enjoy 
you know, even when they make mistakes. You know, I didn't think Al Durham played a, a great game tonight, but I just simply love watching him play, and he bounced back in the second half. I think you're going to have 11 guys that when they play bad for one stretch, they're going to try to fix it in the next because they care about the name in front of their jersey uh, instead of the name on the back. Uh, and I really appreciate that as an alum. I appreciate that as a coach. Yes, I want to win every game. I'll be disappointed with the free throw shooting and the three-point shooting. Uh, but the vibe that I get watching these guys, I'm enjoying it already. And I, and I hope that that uh, continues. And, and I know that the coaching staff and everyone's going to fix uh, the errors that they had tonight and then build on the successes. But I think this is a team we're going to enjoy watching uh, for mo- for most of the year and, and the games that we get in because it just was um, – there, there was a lot to like in between the – some of the ugly tonight yeah I, I kind of landed a similar place as you I, I think and, and anybody following IU Twitter tonight probably saw it, it you, you could um, if you believe that this team is going to be significantly better than than last year's team I think that you saw enough to believe that if you want to believe that this team has the same limitations as last year's team then you probably saw some things that back that up too if you want to so uh, I think if the eight month layoff between uh, eight plus month layoff between games has has done anything, it's probably made me want to be more positive about any of this stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come down on more on the side that you did in that I just think it's gonna be a fun team to watch. I think there's a lot of guys who uh, really played with some intensity and played in a way that uh, everybody is gonna be able to rally behind them. And again, that is not going to mean in a tough Big Ten that you're going to win every game. It doesn't mean they're going to go out and win the Maui Invitational. Uh, but but I do think this is a team that has a lot of room for growth because there's so many young guys. Uh, and you saw a good foundation of what, what they can do tonight in spurts. And if the positives become the stretches of positive play become a little bit longer and the stretches of negative play and the droughts get a little bit shorter as they mature. And these guys get even more used to playing together and the rust shakes off. Then I think there's a lot to be excited about. And, uh, certainly given everything going on, I, I, I want to choose to be (laughs) excited and, uh, and do that. And, and I guess in closing would say we're, we're really excited to be back for the 10th season. I know Ryan mentioned that at the beginning. Um, I think we've all probably, learned a lot about what role sports play in our lives over the past eight, nine months. Um, sometimes probably thinking maybe it plays too much and sometimes saying, man, I really missed this. And it was, uh, it was fun to dust off, you know, templates for tracking stats and, uh, trying to remember how to, you know, do a post game show and all that kind of stuff. But it was ultimately just fun watching the team out there. It is weird to watch without fans at assembly hall. It is weird to just, you know, see the way the benches are pushed back and guys are spread out and coaches wearing masks. There's a lot of things that are not normal about it, but uh, for a little while it felt normal, at least watching, watching IU basketball game, be able to hop on here and, and chat with you and share that with everybody. So we are, uh, we are very thankful for that. And for whatever games we are able to get this season, we'll be here uh, after every one of them and uh, looking forward to talking about it, looking forward to watching this team grow and uh, hopefully have some success as we uh, move forward through the season. So with that, I will wish everyone a, a very happy Thanksgiving uh, from all of us. Again, stay safe, enjoy time with family, and uh, and we will be back soon, as soon as I can get things up here to uh, see again. Just working the kinks out here. All right, there we go. Uh, now we got it. So that'll do it for us on the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. 
And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced much of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Monday after the Providence game. Until then... Take it from me, Juwan Morgan. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right. Show, job, Andy. Show one is in the books. Only a few minor hiccups, so not too bad after after that long, right? I've gotten myself into a good groove of not screwing up the radio, the radio show, and then you get the post game. It's a it's a different ball game, but I almost forgot. There's no uh, intermission talk there. I know, and I had I to remind myself. Oh, shut up! Don't. <laughs> I had to. Well, I was doing the same thing because I was like, I almost said something because I was like, well, we need to pause so that we can. Uh, have the, yeah. the radio piece go. But anyway, so, uh, all right. Well, I, I think that's it. I don't know if there's any other lingering thoughts from, from you that we didn't get to on the on the show. We went, did about an hour, so we're yep. in, in s- somewhat mid-season form already. No, it's, uh, you know, I, I just, again, I'm a, I may be too positive in that, but you got, you know, I liked what I saw overall. I don't like the missed shots. I don't like the missed free throws. The sloppiness uh, early on, but um, – no, it's the first. You know, it's a good first game. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see next two Monday or Tuesday, whenever that game is. Yeah, it should be I interesting. Get my, I get my days all messed up now. Well, yeah, this is not the time to try to figure out what day it is or anything like that for sure. But yeah, we'll see. So, I, did you watch any of the Providence game today? I did, but I, I have I had four TVs going here. Sometimes you, it's not like football where you can watch a play, watch a play, watch a play. Next thing yeah. you, you look up at the one, next thing there's a eight zero run down there, and you missed it all. Um, they struggled in the first half to score. I thought. Yeah, I watched um, more of the first half than I did the second. And in the but, second half, they kind of exploded. But you, you know, you'll have that in these games. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got some decent guards, so it'll be a good matchup. And the, the their big guy played better than I remembered him playing that when I had watched them previously. But I think it'll be a good, good test, fairly evenly matched. I think Cooley's a good defensive coach. So. Yep. We'll see what happens the, from there. The, the Texas, if we win that, play Texas will be interesting. But nonetheless, I think you want to come out of there two and one, no matter what. Yeah, I think if you find a way to do that, then you feel reasonably good. I saw Drew the uh, the coveted nine fifteen tip off in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, like always. Yeah. So late night, late night coming what, for that one. But what are we doing uh, show wise next week? I, I gotta check my practice schedule and. Yeah, I'm not really sure because well, I, I know school schedule uh, yeah. starts at four. Yeah, Monday's going to uh, be two thirty. I got yeah, Monday's going to be Yeah, Monday's going to be tricky because yeah, I got work in the afternoon. Although I'll probably have a TV set up in the office where where I can at least watch it. But then Mallory's got practice at at five, so uh, I wouldn't be able to do the show anyway. And then I think if they win, they play later on Tuesday, which would mm-hmm. be would be better. Um, but I think beyond that, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. So we'll have we'll we'll figure it if out. If we're a if we're virtual, I can have multiple computers going. One where I'm talking to my kids, and one where the IU games on, and then hustle home to, to yeah. do the post game. But yeah, I don't know. We'll um, we'll see. We'll figure we'll figure it out. I don't know if I could pull that off if I had in person in person learning. I could be. I hope none of my administrators are IU fans. And that could be tricky. Yeah. Now I gotta now I gotta stop recording and cut the end of this off. Um, <laughs> so. Anyway, all right. Well, uh, all right, man. Should be funny. Happy Thanksgiving. Way. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you Tell guys Jen too. And the girls, I said.
Tell right. the girls I said hello. And All right. Same to Amy and the, and the boys. All right. Will do. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll, uh, See we'll you talk guys to you next week. Up. Later. The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use, but parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is one of the most toxic of all poisons. Two, kids are more at risk for developing addiction. Three, a nicotine addiction can make it easier for kids to get addicted to other drugs. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player time.